0: Good evening and welcome to a New Year's edition of the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, how's everybody doing out there? Hopefully everybody's doing well. We have been away for a while. Both of us uh, did some traveling over the holiday, New Year's holiday. Um, hopefully, it w- I, I, I'm guessing, Rob, that everyone is as uh, ready to get back into this as we are. So we're kind of, we decided we wanted to go ahead and do this. It's Thursday night, uh, the 2nd. And we will be back next week with a regular show on Monday. But this is kind of a bonus episode tonight. Um, end of the decade, end of the year, headed into 2020. Uh, we're going to do something fun tonight and just kick a fun topic around. Next week, we are going to have an awesome guest, a former player. Um, we're both really excited to have him join us. I think that's, it's going to be really fun for everybody headed into Frisco um, we can say who it is, can't we? Yeah, we can we say. Know. Yeah, it's
1: kind of... yeah, it's a former JMU running back and New York Giant, Delvin Joyce. Yes, yes.
0: So Delvin's who's a big contributor to the Charlotte Dukes. is going to be joining us next week, and really looking forward to talking with him. He was a contemporary of of mine actually at JMU, and um, it's going to be fun to chat with him a little bit. Uh, he's still. I'm really
1: excited. He yeah. was he was a good player, and just uh, I'm all curious to get former players' perspective how involved they are, how much paying attention he really is, you know, mm-hmm. a guy who's paying attention to it. But um, I think they've got such a unique perspective, particularly somebody like him who was there, you know, when, when the team was very good but not quite at the levels. Like, I wonder if he, he or any of his teammates could have ever dreamt of of JMU football becoming this big, you know, and how much yeah. and how much pride they take in it as well.
0: Sure. He was there just a few years before the first title. Yeah. Um, he was still playing in the NFL when they won the first title, mm-hmm. so um, it, it'll be fun to talk to him about all of that. I, I definitely think that's a, It's going to be fun to talk to Del. Yeah, I'm next really, week. really excited about it. Yeah, and I know you'll get to ask some Giants questions <laughs> yeah, as well. I'll, so, I'll stay away
1: from that. You know, we'll keep it <laughs> yeah, on Jamie. Right. But he was, uh, but he was able... a very good special teamer though
0: for for Extremely Jamie, good for uh, the Giants. Yeah, he was really yes. good. Yeah, so that will be fun next week. Um, as always tonight, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the taproom anytime. I went by myself this past week, Rob. Um, Monday, when it was way too cold or too warm to ski down in, down in the valley, uh, I did get a chance to get into Pale Fire and get a free pint glass. You can always get that by mentioning the podcast. Um, and you can pick up great beers uh, as you get ready to enjoy, especially for people who aren't making the trip. Um, and who maybe are getting ready for a watch party? You can get Pale Fire most of a, a lot of places in Virginia now. So get out and pick that up anytime. Big thanks to them. Uh, you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Rob, I don't want to talk a lot about tonight, um, but men's basketball did win a CAA game. Um, probably one of two they will win this year.
1: Um, they, they they hit the- one of two from the line two times. <laughs> you know, in the last couple of minutes, UNCW really came storming back it was a little dicey there i think most JMU fans were bracing for the inevitable run that Mm -hmm. unc was about to make and they made it including knocking down all three from the stripe after being fouled on a three pulled within two then i think matt lewis had a very big shot like kind of a teardrop one to go Mm -hmm. up either four or six then deshaun parker went to the line hit one of two And Banks hit one of two, and UNCW missed their shot at the line. So it was not pretty by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. There were some moments. You see, JMU is very athletic, the freshman mm-hmm. class particularly. Um, but man, they, they just—it's—it's it's really scary how badly they struggled to close out games. Now they are winning, so we should give them some credit. Or they, they won. They're not. They winning. won. They won. They, a they, game. they won yes. a game. Yes. Um, so they held on. And they held on to the road, and it's a league game, and yada, yada, yada.
0: You know, at the end of the yep. season,
1: there's no style points. But, man, they can give away a lead like nobody's business.
0: Yes. Yeah, we had, a, uh, we had a JMUSB correspondent in the arena tonight mm-hmm. uh, texting us uh, live updates from the game. And by halftime, he was very clear the only video he sent was updates the <laughs> frisbee-catching dogs. <laughs> and he said, this is by far more entertaining than these two awful teams. Yeah. so um, It's hard to argue with that. Very hard to argue with that, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. They got to win. Uh, they will not go winless to the CAA. I did that laugh tonight, Rob. I don't know if you saw. I did write back to our Jerry Beach from Hofstra, who does a little CAA. Oh, I saw preseason that. poll, and he had asked us for our for our thoughts, and I said, um, "Well, tenth place JMU, eleventh place UNC Wellington, because I knew who would be at the bottom, and then I said, "I was joking when I said Hofstra, who's." The, pretty much the conference favorite. I was like, they're going to come in second and it'll be miserable because they're going to come in second to William & Mary who will finally make it and Samantha Hughes will get a win and Willow will look like idiots, Uh, which will only make it worse for (laughs) for all of us, right? That the one year they finally get it. And sure enough, William & Mary destroyed Hofstra tonight. At Um, Hofstra. Up up on the island, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they won by 27 or something. Yeah. It was a beat down. William
1: Mary's height and length is just going to be tough to contend with. Uh, yeah, and as long
0: as they keep shooting the ball, yeah. I mean, there aren't many teams in this conference that shoot. So. <laughs> and I don't know who's going to guard Nathan Knight. No, no. So, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, Rob, um, really cool thing, a couple Dukes and the Pros mentions today. Um, Ish Hyman signed for next year with the Carolina Panthers. So he had gotten a chance to play a little bit here the last three or four weeks with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Had a catch. Yeah. first, um, had first a catch his yeah.
1: career, I think, two weeks ago.
0: Yep, and, uh signed and we'll get a chance to play for the Panthers next year so that's pretty cool and and something that um sure will excite I mean there's a lot of JMU Panthers people so that'll be cool to to have one of the teams we all follow um or or a lot of JMU people follow you know, get a chance to maybe see Ish uh the other great news today um saw the Packers put out the pa- the Packers official Twitter account put out a video uh, uh welcoming Raven Green back to, back to the practice field um it in. been you know, full pads, full contact, ready to go, apparently going to be on the roster for the playoffs. So that makes three Dukes in the playoffs with Dean Marlowe and the Bills and Rashard Ro- Rashad Robinson and – I mean, excuse me, uh, Rashad Dav- Davis yeah. and the Titans, um, who, got, who also had his first catch last week. So another cool thing. So three, you know, Packers, Titans, Bills will all feature JMU players in the playoffs this year. And I, I don't know. It was weird reading the comments a little bit on the Raven green on the Packers thing. Um, clearly the Packers fans were like into this, like they like it's a guy that they had noticed early in the season before he got hurt. And they were like excited to have him back potentially for the playoffs. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: he could be a difference maker, just fresh legs mm-hmm. this time of year. He, he clearly mm-hmm. showed some, some flashes and limited mm-hmm. time this season and made a couple of big plays last year, um, mm-hmm. both in specials and, and in you know, in the defensive backfield. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's a heck of a, he's a heck of a player. But he's one of those
0: guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he's one of those guys that they, the Packers have used him a little bit sort of in the, like Wayne Davis type type role. Yeah. Where he, he probably could play like six different positions on their defense and multiple coverage teams. So, I mean, a nice little sort of reserve player to have on your playoff roster. Yeah. Um, gives you a lot of versatility. So, Cool, very, very cool for Raven and and excited to see him back on the field uh, in two weeks. The other guys we will see this weekend in the AFC wildcard games on Saturday. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention about the Frisco trip, encourage anybody who can. I saw uh, JMU, is Dallas Dukes are hosting another volunteer event this year. It is Saturday morning, or excuse me, Friday morning, 9 to 12. They'll be volunteering at the Samaritan Inn in McKinney, Texas, which is a homeless shelter looks like a really cool, like, sort of full service, life skills, classes, financial awareness, all kinds of stuff. Um, but that looks like it's, it's limited to 25 people. So, but I can tell you, as someone who volunteered the last time and had a great experience, um, you know, I just encourage anyone who can to do that this year. Uh, it will be really cool uh, that Jamie's is doing that again. And I think that's about all I have tonight. Uh, oh, I did. Greensboro Dukes, you'll be at Char Bar 7 on Lawndale Road in addition to Garage Tavern. So there are two official watch parties down there. And Tom and Sherry Rogowski, two great Dukes, will be hosting that Char Bar 7 party. Um, Really active members of the Alumni Association. And if you're in the triad area, go by. They they would be great people to connect with um, to sort of keep building that down there. So that's all, Rob. Um, I did want to start with, before we get to our fun... Um, sort of all decade teams. I wanted to do a quick Mossy Creek four downs brought to you by Mossy Creek fly fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia, go buy the flash up anytime and pick up free stickers. Uh, so those guys and whatever else you need for your, as you get ready for the spring trips, if you have any leftover holiday money, um, now's the time go get some sale items from them. Um, got to spend new year's with Brian and Colby and ex- they were excited for, Frisco, and excited for another year with J.M.USB. So, cool. we'll see. Yeah, my first down, Rob, I'll do first down. Um, I just saw in the video today that Truvelle Wilson was prominently featured in the practice, welcome back to practice video. Uh, and he had been a little bit banged up in the last game and then was not featured in the, like, one, in the previous practice video. And everybody was like, where is he? So, the eagle-eyed Michael Evangelista had wondered about that. And I saw that Truvel Wilson was like, there were two shots of him in the first four or five shots. Well, that's good. Send a, send a little message that we all need to calm down about that. Because yeah,
1: like, yeah. He, he went down. Did he return to that last game? He did. Yeah. That's
0: but cool. I, I, it's one of those things, right? You never know. I don't know. When they cool sometimes down. Sometimes guys come back. Yeah. And sometimes come out and, and,
1: Yeah. You check yeah. out the doctor and you're like, ooh, we shouldn't send you back out there. <laughs>
0: right,
1: right. Yeah. Um, that's good news for sure. Very like, good news. They just started practicing again days ago, correct? Mm-hmm. They Had some time off on the holidays, so I hope the break was good. But it's crunch time, getting down to business, sure.
0: So. Mm-hmm. And yeah, on that first go, I mean, Rob, do you have a do you have any second down type things do you well, want to
1: mention here? I, I don't know if we i don't I don't know how this fits yeah. into the whole four down, yeah, or whatever yeah. weird yeah. bit we're trying to on do field, here. off field
0: all the stuff. Yeah, we said, I guess just just things
1: that like I'm looking forward to is um, mm-hmm. for the games. Jamie's game plan, you know, like we've Me seen too. completely different approaches in the playoffs, and um, like against Monmouth scratching their heads at first, like, what's going on? but or, or certainly against Northern Iowa. But I think we've seen Jamie's coaches focused on just taking away what the other team is good at mm-hmm. and kind of not worrying about the score or style points or anything. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Like, in hindsight, it gives me tremendous confidence. That Northern Iowa game was one of, one of the weird ones in the moment. But when you have the benefit of maybe rewatching it like we did the day after mm-hmm. or just calming down, you're like, man, that was kind of a brilliant coaching performance. Mm-hmm. Um, take it away. I don't know what they're going to take away from NDSU because it's not like a Northern Iowa or not even like, you know, yeah, yeah. There's no obvious weakness. Mm-hmm. But even just not even a full year into this Signetti tenure, I have complete confidence that he's going to find something to exploit. And I'm just fascinated mm-hmm. to see what they do. It might not be successful, but mm-hmm. I think we will definitely see them try to do something different and have a different approach. They're not just going to line up and play ball. I, I have the confidence they would to do that. Jamie maybe mm-hmm. has the athletes and the players to get it done, mm-hmm. but I just I don't know what's going to happen. Like they're going to have some unique wrinkle to this, and I know we're going to see something completely different. And mm-hmm. the fan in me is kind of curious to see how it works out, just from a a fun perspective, but also kind of the X's and O's person thinks it's just mm-hmm. like, it's cool. Like I don't know, taking nothing away from any of the previous coaches, you know. Houston and Trot definitely had their things with the defense, but I think Signetti can put together better game plans than we've seen in the past couple of years. Um, that was one thing I always thought Mickey was fantastic at. Um, there mm-hmm. were some other things lacking, but, like, you always see, Mickey's <laughs> yeah. teams are, always came ready to play. Yeah, we'll
0: talk about some Mickey stuff
1: later today yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> that's just kind of like, when I look at it, I was trying to take a look at them and be like, man, are there individual matchups? And it's not necessarily individual matchups, more than just, like, I guess the coaching matchups, like who's going to come mm-hmm. up with a better game plan? Because neither one of these teams has obvious weaknesses. So no. it's going to take some sort of twist or, um, unless we just want to be generic and say, oh, it's going to come down to turnovers or a couple of key plays. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably will. But I just think and the coaches come up with and how they try to attack or exploit NDSU.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I also think it's going to be funny to see both of these teams are really stubborn about wanting to run the ball. Yeah. You know, and just determine, and, and part of it is, it's not just successfully running the ball in the first half. It's I think both coaches and both programs believe that running the ball consistently in the first half allows you to be more successful later in the game in whatever you want to do. And they,
1: by, and they both have yeah. competences in their defenses to stick it out. It, it's so, not like right. it, they don't feel like it's giving away possession. If mm-hmm. you have a short drive or after they've even go three and out, it's not like panic, abandon the game plan their defense going to keep us in it. Let's stick with what we do and let's stick with what we set out to do, and everything Mm -hmm. will work out. And thus far, they've been proven true week in and week out.
0: Yeah. And if anything, it's so, it is funny about the game planning aspect because some things just went wrong for JMU in the first half against NDSU the last time in Frisco. Yeah. And it kind of, like, they to some extent had to, they didn't really get away from it. I mean, they were back in the game, it was 17 13 in the third quarter. So
1: there are a couple where it's almost like they lost their identity. And I don't want to say they yes. played scared because they did not play scared. That was a championship team mm-hmm. or, or the majority of the roster, you know, had won the championship before. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they were scared of anything, but they just, they just got knocked off for a couple minutes and had a couple moments that let them down and that ended up being the difference.
0: Yeah. And they kind of had, had the, the crazy game the week before with South Dakota State where the game plan kind of went out the window when the other team turns it over 10 times. 10 times. Right? Yeah. I mean, it just was kind of a weird, Yeah. Because that, when you think about when they went to the Fargo Dome at 16, and even that whole playoff run, the Sam Houston, the uh, New Hampshire game, I mean, they varied, the, cl- the game plan was clearly offensive line, run the ball down your throat. Yeah. We'll throw on third and long if we have to. <laughs> you know? yeah. And they were successful because Shore was great and things happened. But yeah, we, this is going to be a fun one to watch. And to see which coaching staff, you know, if JMU or North Dakota State, can't run the ball as well as they're used to doing, um, which one is sort of willing to you know it's gonna be fascinating to watch them either try to stick with it or you okay, know, move over yeah and start throwing it around a little more right I, I don't know so it will be a fun one to watch um my third one was just i i forget i this is the third time we've done this in four years uh, i think the first year was so exciting um and part of it then this year it What I'm talking about, Rob, is just the general lack of, I feel like there was a lack of coverage, lack of chatter, lack of fan. And this isn't like a complaint. It's just you go on the message boards and there's not that much going on. And that's not just JMU, that's NDSU side too. Um, Part of it's just that this year it's on the 11th. It feels really long. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It is longer than it has been. And it is the holidays. And I just for being away from that last year had forgotten. It does kind of die out and then we'll probably see it pick back up again uh, this weekend and then certainly into next weekend. Oh. But I don't feel like, I mean, I guess the plans are kind of made, you know, my group's kind of ready to go. We're, everybody's paid for, tickets are accounted for. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It does but, seem
1: to be relatively understated
0: this year. And yeah, I don't it, even mean that it's like a bad thing, that now, people aren't excited. It's more, I think that both for sure, I, I think Brian and Sam talked about this on the hero sports show that I, I think the fan base is like, nobody's like, Oh, we're going to win this. No. Like I could just talk trash for two weeks. Cause we're going to win for sure. Like anybody who's realistic on either side is pretty like confident in their team, but not really. This isn't like when we played Sam Houston state and everyone's yelling at each other, you know?
1: Yeah. Or even mm. like as exciting as it was with young sound state. It- oh yeah. Maybe maybe Jamie fans are just as arrogant as everybody says we are, but I really <laughs> that was like a most, yeah exactly most people approach that like oh I'm going to watch them win. Yes. in Frisco, I mean, there was not a lot of nerves in uh-uh. our group, and I don't think uh-uh. that was unusual. There didn't seem to be a lot of nerves in the stadium. There mm-hmm. didn't seem to be a lot of Youngstown State fans in the stadium. I mean, no, it was no. just like that was like Bridgeforth on the road, uh, uh-huh. really to the degree of like you'd see it like a Richmond game. Yeah, it was. Um with the same sort of confidence had it, so that was that was weird. Maybe just but not to be. Right. That was a fluke. Like that pretty much played out how we thought it would. Um mm-hmm. wasn't a particularly exciting game. It was just kind of a matter of fact, hey, yeah, they're winning. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Where's the confetti? So yeah, this time it's just a little bit different. And we haven't seen a lot of the, the trash talking from North Dakota State either. So No,
0: no. That's what I mean. I it's been it's quiet. Just, so yeah, I'm sure really we'll see quiet. it again next week. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure things will it.
1: pick up. Yeah. I think people are still coming out of holiday mode and don't know what day of the week it is and so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah the, today was. Yeah, going back to work today was not fun. No, but, uh, it was <laughs> not at all. No. Um, so did you have one more here, Rob? Well, I guess I mean after saying
1: it's all about game plans or whatever, right. I still think there's kind of the narrative aspect of, of me as a fan that wants to know, like, who's going to step up? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see somebody? Are we going to see a Khalid Abdullah? Or are mm-hmm. we going to see, you know, a Jimmy Moreland? Or are we going to see somebody just elevate themselves and really put the stamp, put their stamp on this game and this mm-hmm. season? Um, this has been such a fantastic season in so many different ways. And it's been an absolute team effort throughout the world. Mm-hmm. But you do wonder, is this just going to, is it a chance for one player just to go absolute beast mode? Mm-hmm. And, and kind of make his name the, the living memory of this team. Yeah. Um, and whatever. We can debate whether or not that would be deserved. And I don't think anybody's naively going to be like, oh, you know, whatever, if Percy goes nuts for three touchdowns and 300 right. yards. It's not totally going to be the year of Percy, but it will be like a nice exclamation point. D'Angelo, um,
0: D'Angelo, yeah, D'Angelo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, like I feel like he is going to play a big role in this game. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Or, or I mean – God willing, it's four or five guys, and it just continues right. right along the same script of every week it's somebody different and who you gotta stop and there's too many weapons on the But the Disney movie fan and he wants to will we have like, a storybook ending with, with one particular player.
0: Yeah. It's gonna be fun fun to watch. Um, I will say looking through the roster, like obviously there's some very big name seniors on this team. Um, but there's some big name juniors on this team. Mm-hmm. And players that will be back next year for JMU, too. So, yeah, the cupboard will not know, be as bare as everybody ahead, thinks. But, right, but some people are kind of ready to act like this is going to be a total rebuild. And I don't think that's the case next year. We'll have plenty of time for talking about that later. Uh, but that's a good point, Rob. It will be fun to see who who it is. I mean, if, if JMU had won Frisco the last time, if they had completed the comeback and won the game, we'd probably still be talking about Harry and the fake punt right yeah um among other things you know but
1: or riley and talking about one going of the crazy. greatest right. playoff
0: runs of any single yeah. game
1: you play or other like oh, yeah. it'd be up there, not in greatest like up there with the colleagues from the year before sure absolutely you know?
0: so no well that was a lot of fun and, and everybody the, the real reason we wanted to join you tonight is we just we're missing the coverage too we miss Medea's show. We miss <laughs> the hero guys. We're off this week a little bit or for most of the week. Um, we we just wanted to talk about JMU and we both got back into town yesterday and we're ready to to get on here. And one thing we thought would be fun. Everybody's been doing this sort of across, you know, the media landscape, wherever, whatever genre you cover, sports, entertainment, books, whatever. Um, but doing the all decade thing. Right. And, Rob and I admittedly, we're not prepared to do entire teams and to sort of parse down at every position. But I think our idea, Rob, is to do, I'm going to take the offense and you're going to take the defense and we're going to do our top five players. From the last decade at JMU.
1: Yeah, this is a very JMUSB USB version slash like lazy no research. We're not going to go down.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to break down. I, every I looked a other little line. bit. I, I did
1: dig into the CAA media guy. Oh, I, actually, I did you know, too. I went into it yeah. Like yeah, I'm not going to go back and no. break through like oh you know this is the best slot right. slot
0: corner and uh, uh, no. background, <laughs> which we had time. No, for that, I did too. have a hard time. Um, I, I actually did. I, I think my top four. We're pretty solid, maybe three and a half. Um, I kind of decided one player over another player. We'll get to that in a little while. Um, but the fifth slot was tough for me, uh, just just deciding between about three or four players. So um,
1: it's a good problem to have. Earlier, in it the is decade, a great problem. It was not trending to be a difficult conversation. Nope, um, it has become particularly defensively. It it has become a very difficult conversation or very difficult ranking very difficult to make yeah. the past couple of years. And my struggle was my, my like recency bias and trying to justify or trying to rectify if I was just suffering from recency bias or how some of these players stacked up against players maybe eight or 10 years ago.
0: Um, yeah. I'll say I only have one current player in my top five. Oh, so we will, Yeah, you know, but, but, but we'll talk about that in a second. So Rob, do you, do you did you rank them? Or did you just did, pick five? But
1: it's not scientific. <laughs> so, you want to
0: start at the top? Or yeah, start I want to say the...
1: the worst thing is I just immediately came out and I said, Well, clearly the easy one right off the bat is Arthur Motes. Arthur Motes is more than a decade. He's past. not in this decade, I know. Right? And that's, that's just, <laughs> he was drafted in 2010. Yourself. So right. so. So, his last season at JMU was 2009. Um, right. Which was kind of a, a cold a cold splash of water. <laughs> yes, fans. that we're old. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess I'll just go honorable mentions. Just and there are mm-hmm. many more people that I'm sure I forgot. But Sage Harold, um, mm-hmm. Jordan Stanton, Gage Steele, DJ Bryant, and John Daka were kind yeah. of all on the cusp with me. Or I could have ranked those guys really for any one of the guys that end up on my list. Like there's an embarrassment of riches in terms mm-hmm. of defensive talent at JMU. Um, but I started off with with Raven Green. Okay. Um, I don't know. It, it's, the, the stats speak for themselves. Yep. If you watch them plays speak for themselves. What really impressed me is the fact that he played a large role, not just as an upperclassman. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I really, yeah, I yeah, toyed yeah. with putting DACA there because I think this year DACA has put together one of the most impressive seasons mm-hmm. I, I've ever seen. I, I mean, there have mm-hmm. been games and stretches where, along with, with Carter, like he's just been absolutely dominant. And he does things on the field that just seemed physically overpowering, um, athletically, mm-hmm. strength-wise, speed-wise, everything about it. Um, but maybe – I think Green was start-finish, you know, for all four mm-hmm. years. Just had a little more impact. But uh, he's a great player. Great player. As a yeah. Safety, um, made a lot of tackles, picked the ball off. I mean, did all the things you need guys to do. But yeah, yeah. But was a leader on the field and was really kind of the anchor of some really terrific defenses. So he was, he was my number five pick.
0: Yeah. So for me, I will start with my honorable mentions as well. Um, Josh Wells and Mitchell Kirsch on the O-line. Uh, Dean Cheatham and Jonathan Clusterman at tight end. Uh, ben DiNucci at quarterback. Brian Shore at quarterback. I know that's going to hurt. But, um, the three that were the toughest for me to leave off were Khalid Abdullah, Ooh. who I'll talk about in a little bit, um, he has the greatest season by a running back in JMU history um, in terms of yardage and was maybe the most important weapon, you know, skill position weapon, or, or at least, you know, along with Shore on the championship team in 2016. Um, but and, ha- and had an, hit
1: probably his best, if not most important game when it mattered against NDSU. When it mattered and the in Fargo yeah. yeah, and
0: that was really hard to leave off because of that performance in particular. That's what kept sticking in my mind. Um, but I chose another running back in – we'll get to why later. Um, So that was a tough one. And then my other two were both, I did not put a receiver in my top five. Um, The ones that were really hard for me were, and I think the hardest choice I made was not putting Brandon Polk uh, in this group. Um, But I didn't feel like with one season. um, And I also feel like he walked in much like St. Betty, you know, he walked into a situation where he's got a veteran quarterback and Riley Stapleton on the other side. And, um, and that, not only that, but I, yeah. I think with the benefit of hindsight,
1: Riley's suspension also gave him a chance to kind of yeah, get, going. get going and, and yeah. build some real kind of poise and um, chemistry yeah. with Danucci. Yeah. Like it, it kind of set it up. That's taking nothing away from the fact that he's had one of the single best, if not the single best seasons season. For yeah, receiver. he's going to probably
0: break yeah. the single season receiving record. Um, in the, he could break that in the title game fairly easily, I think. Well, that was my um, kind of
1: thing with Docker. Like, DACA is dominant this year, but Raven Green yeah. was basically a three-year starter mm-hmm. and even started a handful of games his freshman year.
0: Right. And yeah. then the other guy for me was another receiver, Daniel Brown, um, who was the first four years of the decade, um, who's still playing in the NFL, uh, who was really – you know, he was Riley before Riley, yeah. and he, he was doing it on a team where he was really, at times, the only weapon on the outside. Uh, for a team that might throw 20 times a game, yeah, you know? And so um, he was both of those guys, but I don't think there's a receiver when you're really talking about a top five to me. um, I put three linemen in my top five and my number five was Aaron Stinney.
1: Okay, I think when you talk
0: about this group um, and what jam, what this decade has meant to JMU football, the biggest difference from this team to what they were in the late Matthews era was they got back to being a, meathead team on the line Mm -hmm. and they've been the one team that's been willing to go you know nose to nose with NDSU at the line of scrimmage and the one guy from the teams you know to me Stinney was the best of the line you know was the best lineman on the 16-17 teams you know I think there's, there's probably an argument for Kirsch in 16 but Stinney was a huge glue member of that team and then clearly the leader in 17. And, um, you know, he's getting a chance right now in the league. Uh, but he was my number five.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's a good pick. Because um, mm-hmm. you talk about the offense, and it's very easy just to kind of group yeah. offensive line play. But to call it an individual guy like Stenny, who really did kind of anchor that side of the line yeah. um, for a couple of, like, outstanding running teams and mm-hmm. the pass protection as well. Yeah. You know, pretty, yeah. Yeah. So that's a great pick. It's a great pick. Yeah. Um, my number four is Dean Marlowe. Yeah. And this guy was a personal favorite of mine. I, I love mm-hmm. watching him play. I'll, I'll go out and just declare it right now. Probably JMU's best ever recruit from Queens. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say he took, took the title over over any other one they've had. Um, again, a guy who was like a four-year starter. I think red-shirted, but then started as a redshirt uh, freshman. Was like all CAA. I think 14. It was various degrees. Like Maybe not first team, but... Um, somebody can double-check me on this, but I think he was all-conference all four years. All-American uh, his senior year. Finished like 12 picks, which at the time seemed like a huge number
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: that other people not get to. Kind of switched positions. Remember his senior year? And yeah. Was, he yeah. did it clearly for the team, but also, I think, um, to kind of showcase what he could do in the NFL. So he could come up the line and guard people a lot of senior year, but really good in that safety position. Big mm-hmm. hitter. Played kind of that hybrid role at times. Could come up and stop the run. Um, really, just a dominant defensive players for all four years.
0: And really, the, he was the in the vanguard. He was the the earliest victim of the average CAA refs. Oh my god! Incredible gosh, focus targeting. On targeting yeah, right? it, it yes. was
1: it was really frustrating with him because <laughs> the guy was just a big hitter, and he was a big hitter in yeah. you know shoulder first type of ways. But it was when they first started to to draw attention to that stuff and. Boy, I, I thought he got singled out, but maybe that was just yeah. my purple glasses I was watching with.
0: <laughs> That's a great – I mean, Marlo, it, it's funny. I did not think about defensive players at all other than just briefly looking at them on some of the all-conference teams and stuff, Rob. So it's fun to hear you talk about these guys because yeah, those are some good memories for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. He was, he was awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. And we'll be in the playoffs this weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, my number four is my only current player – uh is Liam Fornadel. Um so I said I put three linemen on here and this is one of those another second of those three. Uh to me, you know, Fornadel played in sixteen. Oh, wait, no, now I'm confused. No, he played, played in 17. seventeen, right? Was fantastic last year, um, did nothing last year to, you know, I, I mean, he's not at fault for JMU throwing or turning the ball over eight billion times in their losses or anything.
1: <laughs> you know, um
0: he was a huge recruit at that position. I mean, he's been a very – Out of Don think, Bosco, Bosco. Yeah, right? yeah. real and, – And they got another guy coming in from Don Bosco next year. Like, they – I just feel like JMU, that was signaling that this is the kind of kid they're looking for. And to me, you know, getting Fournado and then him turning out to be everything we thought he would be um, has been the real signal that JMU has reached that real upper, upper echelon. You know, you just – you don't get big-time linemen recruits at FCS very often. And Frenadol's no, been and, awesome.
1: And when you have a line as good as this year's, and mm-hmm. a guy like fernando still makes several plays a game that draw the average fan's eyes right to him, Yeah, you, you know he's doing something special. And he's a junior. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's hard to believe. But to me, when I thought about this, you know, he's just been – He's just been a horse, and all three years, you know, he's arguably been one of the best players on the team, and we certainly hope he will be next year as well. Um, But another signal about why Jamie's going back to Frisco to me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, second team All-American this year somehow, but uh, first team All-CAA.
1: Yeah, well, so
0: all-American teams at any
1: level are kind of a joke, but uh, I I really question who's voting for these things at at the FCS level. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Certainly not people paying attention to the game. So,
0: Mm-mm. who's number three for you, Rob? I
1: this is my one current player, and I'm going to go Rondell Carter.
0: Yeah, uh, and this is Glad just, you picked him. just
1: kind of pure talent and motor and what he did since you know c- mm-hmm. coming coming to school. Um, 2017 played a lot. I don't think he started, but. You know, definitely showed flashes, had like, I'm looking at the stats now, eight tackles for loss, four sacks. You're like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, this is a guy, man, maybe some more minutes. Maybe he developed into a player. And then last year really just kind of took off, and people were like, wow, this guy's super talented. I think you're lying if you say you saw this year coming. I mean, he just absolutely dominated people. And with him and DACA, they just took over games at certain times. Mm But Carter was a man amongst boys this year. Um, Defensive player of the year. Justifiably so all American uh, seemingly just got into the backfield at will every single Saturday. There was nothing right. he could do facing double teams, you know uh, stunting they could do nothing to stop him really um, about as dominant a defensive line performance i 've seen since art performers since i 've seen since Arthur, Arthur Moats yep, uh, maybe even better, and, and you and think that, the quality of opponent he 's facing week in and week out, uh, and people game planning. Against him, like I'd say, arguably it was better than Moats.
0: Yeah, well, the thing with him is the versatility. Yeah, I mean, Moats was a great. Don't get me wrong, Moats could play the run as much as he could rush the passer, but he was a defensive end, you know, through and through.
1: Yeah, and the fact where where, Moats, I mean, converted to linebacker in the pros shows what an amazing athlete he was to to pick up a new
0: position in the NFL. But Carter can play any one of the four spots on the defensive line, and he did. could probably play linebacker if he wants to. Yeah, he has played all four spots. Yeah, I mean he jumped out last year uh, in Raleigh at the NC State game. He really stood out as a guy. You're like, whoa, who is that? Yeah, um, but he wasn't. I'd be interested to know his like true um, body stats from, from the three years. Yeah, like I'm looking. He's playing this year at almost 270, 275. Like I. I don't think he was that. I mean, you just look at the guy now, and you're like, "That's a NFL. I mean, that's a man child out there." You know, but at a, times
1: he'd like. It's like you. He'd get it done some games with just pure speed. Speed, yeah, you know, not really like two seventy. No, some like, of that's
0: been overshadowed by Daca, I think, a little bit in the last almost season like a and a half track or
1: so. Star, coming right, off the bench. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a great. No, I, just I, think, I, think, heart, I think I mean, I, I was worried, about and he's the heart and soul of this of this, this team. Yeah, yeah. They're probably. A whole this, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great pick. So, my number three is my running back, Rob. And I did pick Daquan Scott over uh, Khalid Abdullah yeah. in this. This was really hard. Uh, Khalid Abdullah rushed for 3,600 and change in his JMU career. He is the all time leading JMU rusher. He ran for half of that in his senior season, the one championship year. Where he ran for over 1,800 yards, uh, Daquan Scott is third or fourth on the list with 3,300 yards. So he's only 300 yards behind, and he didn't play. And he didn't play. And many play. I don't know if he play, like. He didn't have a run. So what's like what's the glory years, right? So he doesn't have these extra games that Khalid did. And the biggest thing for me, I think Khalid's runs stick out more on an individual. You know, some of those two of those runs at the Fargo Dome scoring in the championship game that kind of stuff will always stay in my mind but Khalid was one cog on a machine you know he's surrounded by Brian Shore and Jonathan Klusterman and Brandon Ravenel and Terrence Halls and Riley Stapleton and you know I mean and he's backed up by Cardin Johnson and you know I mean he was a beneficiary of a lot of things Daquan Scott did this I mean we all know the legend of the game when he played quarterback because JMU didn't have a quarterback and he just ran <laughs> the Wildcat all game and they upset the number one team in the country, William Mary. Yeah. I mean, he played for Mickey. Everybody knew who was getting the ball. Mm-hmm. Daquan came to JMU, I think, to be like kind of an athlete slash receiver and ended up being the best running back on the team and so played running back all the time and got beat up even though he wasn't that big. I mean, for him to run for thirty, three hundred yards in a career when everybody in the conference knew he was getting the ball every play under Mickey, that to me was it, was, it was, I just, that put him over the top for me. And I tried to, you know, avoid any championship bias or recency bias uh, in my running back selection.
1: No, cause uh, I think the point you made about it, just kind of the offensive approach and Khalid being yeah. a cog in a wheel for people that don't remember Mickey ball. <laughs> he did. He did have terrific game plans. Like I don't yes. recall his teams ever being blown out. Or every looking over a match and he could come up with ways to, you know, pull off the upset like he did where Jesus mm-hmm. they threw one pass attempt against William Mary and just ran the wildcat. <laughs> um but in some senses it was it was it could be really predictable. Like when the team was good, it was yeah. predictable. If they weren't mm-hmm. doing some sort of gimmick, it was and when they weren't that good, it was kind of predictable where Mickey was just gonna ride his horses and Daquan mm-hmm. was was kind of the best guy yeah. on that team. You know, right. you could put the ball in his hands. Twenty-five times a game, and that gave you a shot to win. So that's what they did, and teams could still couldn't stop him. Right? You know, you, you, you he got the ball in space; he was going to beat you. Um, he could run between the tackles. He could run the wildcat. He go around the edge. He was a fantastic, fantastic football player.
0: Yeah, I, know. I
1: mean, that's as great as Khalid was. I almost want to say that's just a no-brainer.
0: Right to like, You know, Scott. Yeah, like it's it's really hard because. And I'm looking forward to watching Khalid for the DC defenders this year in the pros, yeah. um, you know, in the XFL. And, and I have high hopes for his, you know, still career. But yeah, it, that's Daquan's pretty fun to think about.
1: I, I love so, both players. Me
0: I mean, too. I, that's yeah, what that's you, what I meant. I, it's just... I, same thing. It just I, that one was really tough, but I was only going to put one running back on this list. And I felt like that the, yeah, the team he was on. It is the difference banker yeah. for me? Yeah. So what about you at number two, we're getting up to the top here. Get up top.
1: Um, I guess you, at this point it's all kind of gravy and you can just quibble, but I, I got to go, Stefan Robertson.
0: Yes. I was hoping you'd pick it. You know,
1: I, again, I, I'm. It's a kind of a theme here, but I'm looking for people that contribute over all four years, versus just kind of one shot, shot. You know, uh, moonshot or you know, catch. He was amazing from the moment he stepped on the field four-year starter, won the Dudley Award as a senior, was just an absolute tackling machine. Um, I I think his senior year he had – let me look it up. I think he had like 140 tackles or some just ungodly number. Um, Yeah, 141 tackles, 17 for a loss, five sacks, 52 solos, CA Defensive Player of the Year, his junior and senior year.
0: I was going to say he was three-time first team – or no, he was third team. What was he? Third He was – yeah, third team his sophomore year, right? I think yeah. so. Freshman year, I think he led First team, team. no. Oh, three time first team CA, all CAA player. Yeah. 11, 12, and 13, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. The guy was, yeah. he was so good. Um, yeah. Just had a motor like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Beat out Taylor Heineke, who was, a, we can talk about ODU football and blah, blah, blah. They did they do the right thing? Heineke was an amazing college football player. He mm-hmm.
0: um, beat, was beat, also involved his freshman year in the tech game
1: yeah very big yeah yeah you know won won that dudley award over logan thomas who was very good Uh taylor heineke you know who had an outstanding year the guy was just so much fun to watch and when they talk about like sideline to sideline players Mm -hmm. i think it's the robertson like he was just going to get to to the ball carrier like i don't Mm -hmm. know if you do you seem remember the titans yeah yeah when they saw that thing where they showed like the cheesy, like, Gettysburg scene where they're going yeah. back and forth. And, like, <laughs> yeah. guys are going end-to-end. Yeah. And they're making yeah. these, like, ridiculous plays. And you got guys coming, like, the weak-side <laughs> linebackers coming out and tackling a guy on the edge. You're like, that doesn't happen in football. That happened yeah. with Stefan Robertson. Like, yeah. routinely. He would come from 20 yards away, and chase a guy down, and then knock his socks off. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, just, just an outstanding, outstanding football player. And I think if he was a little bit bigger, he'd be playing in the league to this day.
0: Yeah. He was third-team as a freshman. First-team, sophomore, junior, and senior. Yeah. Dudley Award senior year, uh, yeah, was involved in one of those forced fumbles in the Tech win his freshman year. Yeah, just an unbelievable contributor. Did he
1: lead the team in tackles, freshman?
0: I think he may have.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean he came on the scene. It was just, it was, yeah, it was like Lamar Arrington, kind
0: of. Yeah, I'd it was one. unbelievable.
1: Beach with raw talent, but
0: mm-hmm. cool. So my number two is the one transfer I put on the list. Um, we talked about, you know, wanting to see a guy over the course of a career, uh, but the two years VAD Lee put together
1: yeah.
0: is a game, you know, is a program changing two years. Um, he's a program changing player, uh, a guy who, and there's, I don't know anybody who doesn't have anything but the best things to say about him as a person yeah, um, off the field as well. And with all some of the craziness of that time, um, it was hard for, you know, again, thought about Shore, thought about Danucci, um, But just in terms of pure, to, you know, two years of raw talent, that was unbelievable to watch. And I went back and looked at that win at SMU in Dallas. He had two he's the, is the single greatest rushing performance by a JMU player ever from the quarterback at 276 yards rushing that night. In Dallas, uh, he had 565 yards of total offense by himself in that game uh, when JMU beat uh, FBS SMU uh, down there in Dallas. That, including was, the game-winning drive, including the game-winning drive, and I, and I have to say, I feel like that game, um, it was that was the game that kind of lit the fire a little bit. I felt like, uh, in terms of what we would see, what we've seen since then, everything since then, and. Just really, really unbelievable production. Um, I think there's a good case. Like I said, there's a good case to be made for sure. Uh, if we all, if it goes the way we all hope next week, there could even be a decent case to be made for Danucci. Um, but talent wise, that's really, really tough to beat.
1: Um, yeah. And if you remember that SMU game you're talking about, he led a game winning yeah. drive. I think SMU he scored did. like two minutes to go. And again, you talk yeah. about. An entire fan base kind of being of one mind most mm-hmm. people were like i think it was two minutes and eight seconds it was it. yep and i go back and check the twitter i i guarantee you we tweeted, like, said we said that's a lot of time for badly yeah. and everybody's like yeah, yeah that is that's that's probably you know he'll probably score 40 happen. seconds left and he made <laughs> a couple plays on that drive where um yep. it wasn't like he had blazing speed but he had kind of Getaway speed, if yeah. that makes any sense. Like, he mm-hmm. did enough to get, by, get to the edge and then take off. He could accelerate mm-hmm. up. He could throw on the He could cut. He could buy time. Uh, and when you talk about guys who just think leadership where you can tell people rally around them, that was them. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, nobody's got a bad thing to say about him. And it's just he took ownership of that team three or four weeks into that season, his junior year, and mm-hmm. really never gave it up. And then I, I think he also deserves a lot of credit. Um, and so does Shore, but the way that I thought he handled himself when he kind of turned it over to Shore and how, how confident he was, even though that season ended abruptly in the playoffs. Um, yeah, yeah. It just I thought he handled himself very well after the injury. Uh, you know, still was kind of a presence on the team. Still, to this day, is very supportive on Twitter of current players in, in ways Correct. that kind of stand out from other people yes. You see a lot of guys like Ra Ra and stuff like that, but I know – he was one of the first guys to come out, not really in defense of, of Danucci, but he tweeted out something after the Colgate game, like, hey, sure I know another guy who threw five picks once, and you all seem to think he was okay. And he was talking yep. about himself. You know, like, mm-hmm. he, he just – I don't know. He was an easy guy to root for and a really fun guy to root for. Just a tremendous football player. Um, yeah. Kind of the closest thing, or kind of a revitalized, or maybe Rodney 2.0. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah which, supercharged, Supercharged Rodney, yeah. like you just it, and much the same with Ronnie. Like I always felt like if Jamie got the ball back and there was even one second on the clock, Badley was going to give him a shot to score or a shot mm-hmm. to win.
0: So and he had the stats to back it up, you know, to be on this list oh, yeah. uh, for the all deputy team gaudy, in those two gaudy seasons. Stats. Yeah. That's yeah. Just ridiculous um, stats. So. yeah. So All right, we got down to it, Rob. Well,
1: I mean, come on. Anybody who's listening to this podcast <laughs> knows what the number one pick is. Jimmy um, Athens, yeah, Jimmy F. Moreland. I mean, what are you going to say? Uh, from the block kicks, uh, freshman against Lehigh, kind of that mm-hmm. happened to be badly, his coming out party, um, but really that only happened because Jimmy made those plays, um, mm-hmm. blocked it from the way, kind of the, the the fallen hero and redemption story, coming back, kind of starting off just as kind of a special teamer leading the blocks and then really getting back into his cornerback role and being kind of a stalwart in the defense during the playoffs. And in Frisco, great game at NDSU. Senior year, it was just like every time you turned around, the guy was running one back in the end zone. Um, I, you can't say enough no. about the guy. We've talked about him at length pretty much every episode. We find a way <laughs> to work him in. Uh, Twitter legend with the fan base. Like To me, he's kind of the one guy that might define this this latest era of JMU football in terms yeah. of pure enthusiasm and, and the entire fan base and everybody coming
0: together and
1: kind of the great heights mm-hmm. it can reach. It, to me, it's, it's, it starts and ends with Jimmy F. and
0: Moreland. Well, and he's the guy that, you know, he's the only, I think maybe the, I mean, it might be Robert Carter Jr., a couple other guys, but, you know, one of the only guys that spans Mickey to Withers to Houston, too. You know, that Was spans that referred? whole... Who was a Mickey recruit and, played and then as a true ended up freshman. sitting out, you know, didn't play what was his third year at JMU and then came back for the two years with Houston. So, you know, yeah, exactly. So just kind of an interesting career um, for him. And, and I think that part of it, I mean, sitting out a year and staying at JMU, I mean, that, that really makes it <laughs> special. Yeah. Uh, for all of us that that cared about this and to see him you know having some some success and, and certainly enough success i think that he'll get some more chances in the nfl is it's just unbelievable and yeah I, there's no doubt to me rob he is the defensive equivalent equivalent for me of rodney landers yeah where he's just my favorite player to watch the most exciting defensive player i've ever watched the jamio and that's including Arthur Motz and including DJ Bryant and some guys that I love dearly, right? Vidal Nelson and other guys, but that really, really, well, it's, it's just, it's, it's
1: just different too, because you've got the advantage of being a corner where you can make those plays that are truly, truly game changing. We all love mm-hmm. to see sacks. We all love to see going up running backs in the backfield, but a pick six is just tough to beat in terms of mm-hmm. fan excitement. Mm-hmm. And it just it happens. It's and the way he did it with these yeah. crazy come out of nowhere picks, <laughs> or, or or the streak blocking block, kicks, you know, blocking yeah. kicks, and the way he he put them together last year. You know, game after game after game. You know, had that streak of doing it yeah. seemingly <laughs> every week. Yeah. Um, it just it. There's just something about it. It's it's like you know, home runs are great, but triples can be more exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sacks might sometimes be more important at critical junctions, but there's nothing that beats a pick six when you're a fan watching on TV or no. in the stadium you know, no. in terms of getting crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, and my, my number one player, I guess, is not quite as, you know, it's not the thrilling, exciting one, um, but it does go all the way back to the beginning of the decade. And it is my only player that straddles, actually straddles a decade. So, um, you know, didn't finish his career or, or finished his career in this decade is Earl Watford. Yeah. So, um, he's kind of an interesting one who was really good known, very well known to JMU fans earlier in his career, but didn't really sort of burst onto the all CAA, all national scene, you know, all American scene until he was a senior. But to me, like we talked about, I just, to me, the, the difference in JMU's offensive line defined this decade for JMU and he's the best of the bunch probably the most talented offensive lineman that's ever played at JMU. Yeah. And I, I don't know how else to – I mean, he's still in the league. I mean, he's going into his eighth or ninth year in the league. Um, you know, that that's not the reason to say he's the best JMU offensive player of the decade. But to me, his performance that last year is just it, – it's so off the charts, just scoring that one year, that it's really tough to – he was there from 08 to 12 – do you think um,
1: he was just a victim of kind of the, I do. F- he was the a... fatigue of like, oh, Jamie, you offensive line. It's just Mickey Ball. Like it almost just became what I was saying before, where people just view it as a unit rather than
0: individual players. Exactly. That's, that's, that's to me what it is. He much like the a little bit of like what we talked about, Daquan Scott, except that Daquan Scott played an exciting position. You know, here's this sort of, I mean, I, I don't think we need to explain when a guy's been in the league this long, what kind of talent we were looking at um, back then? That's just an unbelievable athlete. Well, and the reason why you he's know, been in
1: the league so long is, uh, like we were saying about Carter on the defensive side, yeah. Watford can plays. play multiple positions. Yeah, plays Uh-oh. guard and tackle. Yeah,
0: um, fills in everywhere. You know, has started, has come off the bench, but is generally available. It's just a really big guy who's a really good athlete. Yeah, <laughs> and but was that just versatility a will,
1: will keep you on rosters. You know, and, yeah. and
0: the versatility comes from technique. And
1: strength, yes. and and he had that in college, and it really right. was something to see. But those were some terrific lines, and I just wonder if because they were such terrific lines, and they were kind of the dominant aspect of JMU, and it was Mickey right up front was <laughs> that, that's all they were going to do. We're going to be those offensive well,
0: line. Yeah, well, and it's funny because like what you said, Rob, about going back and thinking about Motes I w- My favorite JMU offensive lineman is probably Terrence Apted, mm-hmm. but he's from the previous decade. Yeah, you know, and and so I was thinking about it is kind of you get lost in the shuffle of these great players. Um, certainly hope to see guys like Stinney and Fornadel. I mean Stinney's getting his chance. Fornado will probably get his chance if he can stay healthy. Uh, just that to me, Wadford, I mean I put Watford, Fornadel and Stinney all on this top five with, you know, Josh Wells and Mitchell Kirsch in the sort of honorable mention category. That's the position group. I mean, for all the Brian Shores and all the love. Uh, That we give to some of the other position groups. To me, that's the reason JMU won the title and is going back to Frisco for the second time this decade. And that was kind of started for me with Watford. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun, Rob. It was hard. Like we said, I I didn't want to leave Khalid or Polk or Brown off the list. (laughs) But man, what a fun. I mean, was, everybody could disagree with us and yell at us about this, and that's fine. We. Well, I kind of hope they do. Yeah. I mean, that, that's all, the fun
1: in things like this is everybody's mm-hmm. got their own opinion. Um,
0: we didn't talk about special teams or anything like You know, there's some great players in that. I mean, I thought about Rashard Davis, who is still getting his chances, you know, what he meant to this team in other areas. But it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's fun that we're able to have a conversation like this after this decade. Rob, I think you tweeted out um, – I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. Like, what's going on with Miss Basketball is it's beyond disappointing at this point. Oh shit! That was Shane Metland's tweet that I retweeted. Shane's tweet. Oh my
1: gosh! What a great poll. Yeah, check it out. He tweeted something great. First of all, Metland, terrific writer, covers really knows his stuff, and he's got a fun style of writing too. Big music Mm -hmm. fan works that in. really kind of dug deep and found out that. You know, when you you look at the CAA as a whole and a lot of the other CAA basketball fans kind of turn their nose up at JMU and act like JMU is dragging the league down. And, well, they're certainly not playing up to the potential or where we want them to for men's basketball. But you could make an argument that JMU is kind of the class of the CAA overall, um, not just football.
0: What do you say, five or six sports that? they is the last, the last CAA to team to have a win in the NCAA tournament.
1: Not to mention the fact that they've got multiple national championships. And yep. you know, men's hoops is actually, Jamie was the last yeah, team to win. Yeah, games. the
0: LIU Brooklyn game yeah. is actually the last
1: NCAA tournament and pe- win for a CAA People team. can say, oh, oh, that's only a plane. Well, it's still paid a full share. So so right. <laughs> Jamie is the one team that has kicked in money to every dollar team's conference. Uh, right. Yeah, it's really, it's crazy when you look at it in terms of like, what women's lacrosse has done. Lacrosse, softball, softball basketball, volleyball, men's women's basketball, basketball, yeah, um men, then men's then the soccer, making the run that yeah. football obviously, oh, yeah. lacrosse. It's it's really crazy how successful the tennis went in the same finally knocking up William and Mary. Um mm-hmm. it's really staggering how well the athletic program has done overall. And that's really just a credit to Jeff Bourne and the entire administration who from day one has said, you know, football kind of steers the ship but they want to be successful in all the sports and JMU has done it over the past 10 years.
0: Yeah, and it's it is crazy to think about you look around and most none of our none nobody else in the conference has been able to do what JMU has pulled off this decade in terms of advancing their facilities, advancing the resources around the programs, you know, the Duke's lead, the sort of academic and civic support that they give to their student athletes is in it's just in a whole nother level than anybody else in the conference and really anybody else who's playing FCS football. I mean, I don't mean to make this about football because I think JMU aspires to be nationally competitive in sports that don't, that aren't football and has been. Yeah. I mean, just softball and lacrosse alone to me, it's staggering what JMU has been able to put together this decade and not just, uh, you know, we know field hockey when we were in, when you were in school, Rob, I mean, They've had their runs, right? But men's basketball had their run in the '80s. But they sort of across the board, yeah. That across the board of success is incredible. So
1: and the facilities are interesting because, like, the combo, whatever, or the Union Bank and yeah. Trust. Center, I don't know what to think. Part of me is super, super excited, <laughs> and part of me is terrified. Like, what's going to happen if, right now, if we, right, right now, the only way you can describe JMU men's basketball fandom is apathy. Yeah. Nobody cares. I mean, right. I tweet during these games and I get three or four responses and it's whatever. I'm not saying it's weird. Something like, "go ball hit line during football and we'll get 50 retweets. Right. <laughs> and, and then people have, so you can do whatever you want. There are just orders of magnitude difference people paying attention. You tweet during a woman's basketball game and you get more interaction than you do from men's basketball game. Mm-hmm. That's awesome for women's hoop, but like people just do not care about men's hoops right now. No. I don't know. Like... I, the facility certainly will help, mm-hmm. but I don't know to what regard. Now, it, it could make, help Sean and, and the women's team just make the leap. I mean, it's just – yeah. it looks like, okay, then it's the total package. They already get great support, but now you got these top-notch facilities. Mm-hmm. I guess it'll help hoops, but it certainly helped football coming out of 04 you know even just like the plecker center i think was an advantage at the time huge
0: advantage and then what
1: happened and clearly with the big stadium now it's a recruiting advantage and the indoor practice
0: facility now and everything else yeah
1: basketball i don't i don't know i mean there's still like great great teams that play in kind of small arenas but it's more that the practice facilities the locker rooms and things like that Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm optimistic that'll help but I also, part of me worries. Man, we've got this beautiful new car that we
0: don't know how to drive. Yeah, I mean, I guess my I've been thinking about it differently, and because I know there are there are terrible Division One basketball teams that play in beautiful new facilities,
1: and there are great <laughs> programs that play in high school looking gyms.
0: Right, right. So it it is a it's always going to be an odder um, not to crack, so to speak, just because it's it's it comes down. It could be two or three players that make the difference. Yeah. Right. I mean, football, you have to build that infrastructure. JMU, women's lacrosse a couple of years ago, it, you know, they beat the national player of the year to win the thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not one player that makes the difference. It's building the program um, in the bigger team sports in basketball. It is going to take a couple of transcendent talents to turn this thing around. Um, but I also do think Rob, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't, it may suck if the men's team gosh, I hope they get it turned around it's just I keep saying this year after year, but I also think the valley is ready for the arena uh regardless of men's basketball, and I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but no Jamu, Jamu as a university facility. yeah jmU as a university has outgrown the convo just in terms of the quality of the facility for the other things that they use the convo for yeah. graduation commencement, all these things right and certainly for the valley which is a growing area i I do feel like you know the the bands that we would like well we 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 might not know the bands that the kids that the students want to see anymore but you know that's going to be a draw i think in a different way and they'll be able to sell packages and tickets and things to events outside of men's basketball that they can't do in the combo right now
1: yeah i mean i I get all that but i guess what i'm saying is like is it going? To, is it the thing that's going to push Jamie over the top? I don't.
0: I don't think so. I, I think, think they, they got to figure this. They got to figure this coaching and free throw shooting or something out. I, I think winning. We're trying very hard not to yell and scream about, you know, coaching right now, but they got to get it figured out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think for today. I mean, particularly in, <laughs> in high school basketball, a lot of these kids in bigger programs kind of play like national schedules anyway. Certainly mm-hmm. the big schools around here in the D.C. area and WCAC mm-hmm. is one thing, like where Matt Lewis went, you know, yeah, that yeah. conference, where Marcus Thornton came out of. Mm-hmm. Those guys are, they're used to playing kind of big showcase tournaments. I don't think they're going to be as wowed by facilities. So only, I, I think they're kind of drawn to the opportunity to play in the tournament and the mm-hmm. opportunity to, to play on TV. So from that mm-hmm. standpoint, it's kind of like, eh, what's it going to do? But <sighs> JMU will have nicer facilities than the conference peers. Sure. But, but if you look at the top teams in the conference got now, Towson's got a new arena. Yeah, so got a new arena. He's got a decent – Yeah. Northeastern's got a beautiful arena that's empty, except for hockey. Right.
0: right. Um, well, it's ancient. but Yeah. It's yeah but, you like, see, but it's like UNCW nice. has a nice arena. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, the, the new – I mean, the convo's better than Drexel's gym already. <laughs> you know, the, the convo's better than Delaware's crap. Like, our facility – I don't know. I just – I think it's a plus, but I don't think it's like football. I think it's different than bringing a recruit out there for football and showing them bridge Bridgeforth and showing them, you know, next year the year after showing them the indoor practice facility where it's like, whoa, this just stands above. This is a whole other level, a total package. I don't mm-hmm. think it's the same thing for basketball. So I don't think we're going to see this huge bump. Maybe that some people think. It's not going to be like, ooh, combo. Now all of a sudden five-star recruits are
0: lining up. <laughs> right, right. No. you know, it's, No, it's not. But it can't hurt. No. It, and,
1: and the the yeah. big thing is maybe you get lucky and more alums say, you know, I'm going to go check it out at least one game next year.
0: Mm-hmm. And if they
1: happen to win a couple of those games, maybe you start to slowly build from there. Yeah, um, And then if you well, put together other winning season, for... it, it's, it's better to go back to. It might be easier to get people to go back to a game a year or two from now if JMU is right. winning and the prospect of a new arena. So it's part of a package, but... Mm-hmm. I, I wish I was like some of these people who suddenly thought that opening a new combo is just going to make recruiting 50 times easier and everything will heal itself.
0: No, but it, will, it will be in place for whoever the coach is, whether that's coach Rowe or his successors, yeah. um, you know, that, that, that are, that do get the players in that are ready to win and are able to push them over the top. And, you know, it will help them sustain any kind of momentum they are eventually able to build.
1: Yeah, that's in true. In a way
0: that they haven't been able to
1: previously. So, and the combo sucks. <laughs> let's be honest.
0: <laughs> I mean, we love the
1: combo. Uh, yeah, it's I, terrible, but it's yeah. terrible. I mean, there, yeah. there's just it's, it's just a yeah. weird, weird. I, I'd rather play in one of those weird high school gym things. I'd rather play yeah. in, um, not Wilson. What am I thinking? Godwin,
0: Godwin. At least you're yeah, close look, to the combo action at its very best was a great awkward, weird, you know, anachronistic college basketball arena, <laughs> you know? And at its worst, which we've seen a lot of on the men's side the last ten or fifteen years. It's just a cavernous it's just empty, a terrible yeah, gym. It's just terrible. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that looks weird on TV and looks weird in person. So yeah. Um it'll be great to have a modern facility uh for both programs. With sands
1: so. actually near the court. Yes, yes. Maybe behind the basket even.
0: Maybe even, yeah. <laughs> So, but Rob, this has been a lot of fun. It was really fun doing those all decade teams. Um, it, I sweated a little bit, so hopefully people will have their own thoughts for us on this. Oh, I'm um,
1: sure there's people miss, and I'm going to feel like an ass for forgetting so for somebody who's completely
0: obvious. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a good
1: thing to have. That's a good problem to have.
0: Yep. Yeah. But it is 10:25 on Thursday night, which means we are less than nine days away from Championship Saturday. Yeah. So um it's time to crank it up dude so i hope you're enjoying this wherever you are hope to hear hope to have a lot of you back joining us next week when we uh record on monday with delvin rob it's been really cool talking to you i think i have no arguments whatsoever with the defensive picks of yours that is an unbelievable it's a murderer's row raven green dean marlowe rondo carter stefan robertson and jimmy moreland that's an unbelievable group. <laughs> I'm very
1: impressed with your uh, offensive linemen. I'm happy. We, we're now maybe that'll be our niche. We, we're the podcast that actually recognizes offensive line players as somewhere, individuals, not just as members
0: of the unit. Somewhere Reed is very excited, <laughs> right.
1: banging his head into a locker. <laughs>
0: That's right. Oh, uh, so I'm looking forward to next week when we will both be making our plans for the big game. Rob, I thanks to Pale Fire. Thanks to Mossy Creek. Go buy both of those, support them in Harrisonburg. And I will talk to you next week, Rob. Yeah, have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes.